The following is a presentation of Team Bonding, providing more than 100 live, virtual, or hybrid corporate team-building activities for companies around the world. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, my team. My name is Rich Rennensland, and that means you're in team-building around the world. The podcast where I speak to people from team building, team bonding industry from all over the globe. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Mr. Stuart Harris, the co-founder and managing director at Team Building Asia. So we are really reaching out as far as we can. Stuart is, uh, well, he's just a, a, not only an entrepreneur, but he has a real flair for business, what everybody's telling me. Um, he has managed to take a small company from 1996. He's organized to organizing such large-scale corporate events for institutions such as Simmons and Simmons, Solomon Smith Barney, Deloitte Consulting, over and over and over. The list goes on. But of course, before we get to my guest, um, I do need to actually throw some love to my supporters out there. This show is supported by the Catalyst Team Building Network. Find out more about the world's largest network of team building providers at catalystglobal.com. And I also want to thank our friends at B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. So visit B1G1.com to get started today. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, joining me all the way from Hong Kong, please give a, a loving team building hello to Mr. Stuart Harris. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's just the, the small group of people I keep under my desk, Stuart. You don't have to worry about that. So please um, tell everybody, let's start off, let's tell everybody about yourself. Oh, yeah, good question. So yeah, I've been uh, based in Hong Kong since uh, 1996 and um, been there for many, many years, seen lots of uh, different transitions of Hong Kong and uh, actually living in Hong Kong since 1996 and the company has been going since 2002. Ah. So we're in our 18th uh, year of business and uh, we do team building solutions um, around Asia Pacific for corporate clients and uh, anything from, you know, getting people being part of a orchestra to treasure hunt, amazing race type activities to building Formula One race cars out of cardboard. And uh, that keeps <laughs> us very busy uh, whilst I'm not, uh, when we're not busy doing the team building uh, family man with uh, have a six year old and a 10 year old. Uh, oh, wonderful. Us, uh, Busy at home. It's always good to have your own support team out there. So, um, yeah, in training, sure. So, Hong Kong. A lot of my listeners being local. That that is a, a far reach for this. So, thank you so much for coming and joining us tonight. Um, I say I say tonight because that's what that's what it is where you are. It's actually early in the morning yeah. for me. But yeah. Um, yeah. let's start off. Um, when you started out in Hong Kong, you were you weren't actually in the team building industry, were you? What did you start off as? Yeah, so well, the background really is in uh, hospitality and then into event management. So uh, from the UK originally and uh, trained in the hospitality hotel business, carried that through to Hong Kong. And then uh, when we uh, saw a need in the market in around 2002 for a uh, something different, um, it was sort of a bit in a, a time when uh, people didn't even talk about startups. There was business or no business. Mm -hmm. um, but we decided we should uh, start up an organization and um, with my business partner, Mr. David Simpson. Mm. And um, we um, started the company in 2002 as a, an idea, saw a bit of a need in the market, something different, and um, put together a, a early early business plan and uh, 
took probably a couple of years to get established. We were definitely looking at uh, offering something new and different to the regular sort of what was known for team building at that time. And uh, so it took a couple of years to get going. But then by 2004, 2005, then uh, we had a good clientele and uh, good um, products that we were working on and delivering. And uh, the rest is history from there. Fantastic. So when you say that, that you were offering something different, what did it look like? What did the industry look like before you got involved? Yeah, there was, I mean, there was a few players in the market, um, certainly Outward Bound, uh, which I think is obviously known around the world as mm. that would be the sort of the traditional sort of team building, which is fantastic. You know, if you've got that sort of need, the outdoors, you know, the raft building, the high ropes. And, um, you know, if our, if our customers are looking for that, we still point them in the direction of Outward Bound or that type of facility, more outdoor sort of training. Mm. What we were finding and what we were being asked for was they didn't have a whole day or half a day to go out to the countryside uh, to do a sort of half-day event. They wanted something maybe short and just something they could do in the office. So, um, you know, what we one of our signature events was our juggling motivator, and um, we um, we could come to the office and deliver that program. Simple sort of motivation activity, teaching people how to juggle within 90 minutes, and that was quite <laughs> novel at that time because the participants had to uh, make the juggling balls out of rice tights and balloons and then once they had made their uh, three juggling balls then we took them through a process and then related that process back to anything within the business if obviously if you have understand the process and break it down into small pieces then you can achieve anything and most importantly with the support of you there was a support mechanism in there and with the support of your team you can achieve anything as well so that's how we started off um, and obviously that was a, a sort of different experience for people and they were like, wow, we can really get some key outputs and some key inputs and really bring the team together within 90 minutes and we don't even have to leave the office. So it's fantastic. <laughs> that's great. I, yeah. I got to tell you, I've been trying to learn how to juggle for 25 years and I still haven't mastered it. So uh, I, yeah, apparently I have to go to Hong Kong. Process, that's the problem. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, well, yeah. let's talk about being in Hong Kong. We, we imagine that it is such a... a, a no pun intended, foreign world from what we know, uh, especially Westerners. So what, did, what, did, what does team dynamics look like in your country? I mean, what, what are you facing when you talk about teams in Hong Kong? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's very mixed, to be honest. Um, you know, we, I mean, we're delivering uh, team building for clients in Hong Kong and around the region. It's very culturally diverse. Um, you know, a lot of our participants, when they're on the programs, English is their second language. So it might be an international team. Uh, but half the people might be uh, English, might be their second language. So obviously we have to accommodate for that. So sometimes, or it could be the other way. It could be the program needs to be delivered in Cantonese, which is the local dialect in Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. but there is English speakers there. So we we really have to obviously do a lot of research beforehand, really understand who's in the room and what language is best. You know, sometimes it might be, well, we've got a hundred people, but only two of them are native English speakers. So then we're like, well, how, how do we work with those people? What's most people going to be comfortable with? Is it going to be more comfortable in Cantonese? And then we help out the people with English speaking, or is it going to be more appropriate to do it in English and we help out the Cantonese speakers? So it, I guess that would be the, the biggest uh, difference in terms of the dynamics. And you've got a lot of um, people coming in from all around Asia working in corporations. So they could be coming from uh, the UK, France, they could be coming up from Australia, they could be coming from, in, from India. Um, Indonesia so you, look, most teams are very uh, diverse mm. and obviously we just need to understand that and uh, I, I, I adjust the pace accordingly I would say okay so w- what kind of um, I mean what is it they're looking for when they come to you 
Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that yeah, generally is. I would imagine it's similar around the world. It's a, you know, it's a, it's about communication. I mean, that is always 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 key. It's about engagement, dealing with um, um, multi generations as well. Obviously, I think we're in the we've got multi generations in the workplace as well. So mainly, people would main thing would come and be around engagement. Um, so they would come to us and say, "Well, we need to energize the team with engagement." Our business, some of it is around conferences and meetings and events. So people holding a regional conference, whether that's in Hong Kong or in Macau, which is only an hour away from Hong Kong, mm. or that could be in, uh, they could be hosting the event in Bali, or they could be going to Thailand, to Bangkok. So, you know, really, that's when the regional event in our experience comes in. Uh, with all of the, the underlying messages, getting people together, you know, we're also focused on our um, small screens or our big screens these days. So, you know, it's get that engagement and uh, getting people talking to each other that they wouldn't necessarily normally have that interaction with. Great. Now, yeah. you, you mentioned, of course, um, one of the big hurdles you have, the language difference, even even there within one company. Uh, what kind of special yeah. accommodations do you offer? Yeah, so we um, in our full-time team, we have uh, native English speakers. Uh, we have Cantonese-speaking facilitators. And then um, we have uh, Mandarin-speaking facilitators as well. Um, so most of the time, all of our team would be able to adjust that language. If, if we might, we might be delivering it in English on the stage, but then the team would be going around clarifying the instructions in Cantonese or in Mandarin, um, to accommodate that. And, uh, we would also have the tr translation of the materials, um, as well. So we would translate them into Chinese. And uh, what we learned early on is there is simplified characters and there's traditional characters. So uh, that uh, depending on uh, so Hong Kong uses traditional characters, whereas up in the mainland China they use simplified characters. So obviously we need to be uh, aware of that as well. That's that's yeah. a lot to take into consideration before you even can begin <laughs> an event. Uh, now, yeah. um, what inspired you to want to actually make this your career? Right. Um, yes. Well, I mean, like I said, my background was in hospitality and events and. Um, David's my business partner's background in psychology and training. Hmm. Um, so we had a good mix of skills. Um, so my hospitality background gave set us in good stead for, you know, processes and, uh, you know, timelines and producing an event together and the, the event management side and David's is in the delivery and the on stage side. Um, so I think once we had um, got into the, you know, the first two or three years. And then we were like, wow, this is actually great. And what we were suddenly realizing then we were actually making a difference. So with the events that we were in, uh, we were really making a difference with corporations. And we knew that because they keep coming back. So that's, that's obviously a good, um, a good um, benchmark. I was obviously a bit younger in those days as well. And uh, the opportunities <laughs> to be traveling around Asia. Uh, you know, we were doing, we might be doing an event in Shanghai one day and then the next day in Kuala Lumpur, you know, we were, just, nice. we were flying around all the time. So we were, and still do have a lot of fun. And as it built from there and, you know, we grew the team, grew the business, um, and the rest is, uh, sort of all pieces together. So, yeah, I think it's that the, um, in terms of the career and sort of made its own path, I believe. Excellent. All right. Well, bear with me one quick second there, Stuart. I just need to go pay some bills as they say over here. So take a quick break for a moment to tell you about the Catalyst Team Building Network, an association of team building providers. With representatives in over 90 countries speaking more than 20 languages, the Catalyst Network is widely regarded as the voice of the team building industry. Network members share resources, best practices, and business opportunities. 
Catalyst partners are learning from each other and pushing the boundaries of what is possible in team building. Catalyst Network members share a common goal of creating highly relevant, socially responsible, good value experiences for their clients. For more information, please visit CatalystGlobal.com. All right, Stuart. Now we're back. Let's uh, let's take a second there. Let's sh- shift some gears. Let's talk to you about you personally. Um, we've been talking to other folks on the podcast, and we've been talking about like some of their favorite things that they get to do. What's one of your favorite uh, events that you lead? Or have well, I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so there's so many. Um, I think uh, you know, always the, the the best events that we do are always the ones when they're out of town. So we I mean, like I mentioned, we get to travel around Asia delivering these events mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, the team fly off to a destination together and, you know, everyone meets up at the airport normally early. Most flights in Asia to go somewhere, leave early in the morning. Mm. You know, we're all together. We're normally uh, checking in like a hundred kilograms worth of luggage into the, um, paying the over <laughs> baggage charges and uh, trying to negotiate, bringing that cost down as much as we can. And we arrive in a city all together. And then we have to obviously manage all of the logistics locally with our partners and the team and the training. Um, so always the best events, the best events are always the ones out, uh, outside of home, the hometown, should we say? Okay. Uh, some of the memorable ones is certainly the, the flat out afloat is one of our um, activities, which is around teams working together on a project. And this project they happen to be doing is building a boat, and the boat is made out of cardboard. Mm. So when you tell everybody that, they're like, "Well, cardboard doesn't go in the water." And then we tell them, "Well, actually, we'll give you a sheet of plastic as well, but you need to manage how that's going to fit around the boat." <laughs> So the uh, largest one of these we did was for uh, I think it was, uh, nearly 600 people in Phuket uh, for a, uh, a manufacturing company, and uh, we're, we're out in the heat, and it's uh, yeah, you know, it's a very long hot day, just getting all these teams to build these all of these boats, and obviously you've got to hope that they all float, and then take right. them onto the water and then race them. I think flat out, I think flat out afloat is probably one of the uh, you know you always know it's going to work, but there's always that element of uh, well, did the team build it correctly? Did they put the right piece in and there's, sure. there's a few secret uh, extra bits that they need to really make sure they've done unless it obviously will not work so we always uh, help them along with that now what do you do let's say for example they they put the boat in it looks like it's going to float and yet it just doesn't what do you do for them then How do you yeah fix that? well normally we, we, we try to set them up for a bit of success mm-hmm. what tends to happen is they they're going to race the depending on whether we're what sort type of water we're going to do the racing on. So the one I was mentioning in Phuket was just on a, uh, on a sort of a, a mini lake. So there was no uh, current or no waves. So it was all pretty straightforward. Nice. Uh, but we've done it in, we've done it in other locations where the waves might be a little bit bigger than we thought they were going to be. And then water starts coming into the boat and obviously the plastic only lasts so long. So that's, uh, you know, uh, obviously everyone's wearing life jackets. We've got our lifeguards there to make sure there's obviously safety first with any of these events. We always ask the participants to make sure they can swim. So, uh, you know, if the boats start getting a little bit, um, soggy shall we say well we've got our team there to obviously make sure the participants are safe and then uh, our event marshals get in there and pull the boat out of the water so obviously we want to be environmentally friendly as well because all the cardboard does get taken away to be recycled so um, lovely lots of considerations yeah, especially with 600 plus people i mean how many boats did you have in the water that day uh well yeah that's one of the uh, i think we had about 50 boats i think if i remember rightly um, 48 boats and four and we one of the secrets of uh, the success with any of the events is breaking them down into small pieces. So you don't have everybody doing the same thing at the same time. So we had, a, I think we had a, you know, 
uh, maybe eight boats racing at a time and right. have them going through in sequence. So um, yeah, that's the secret sauce on uh, managing any big event. Just break it down, a bit like the juggling, break it down into smaller pieces and then build it back up again. Oh, great. Um, so, of course, um, we, we know them as icebreakers. Um, some people you know, can also call them energizers where you're you're just introducing yourself to the teams and getting them built up, getting them ready for for the main event that you're leading to. Do you have any favorites? Yeah, I mean, we, we, it really depends on the environment that we're going into. You know, I guess if it was just part of a conference, we do a lot of icebreakers where it's just like the warm-up to the, the conference at the mm-hmm. beginning of the event. We don't sell too many of them, but certainly one with a lot of impact is one called One Voice, um, which is where they're getting the participants to, first of all, warm up their voice, and then warm up their bodies. Then they will do a, a customized song that they would all sing together. So that, that is a, huh. good for a large conference of 100 or so people. I think at the beginning of a small event, uh, you know, just something we're going to do, just to set the scene for the day. You know, we have another activity called Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh, which is another sort of uh, fun sort of way to get to know your colleagues in a fun way, understanding what they like personally and, and a little bit about their business as well, how long they've been there. So it's good. You know, it lasts about 30 minutes and it's a great way to get to, straight away. They've already met someone new, understand their colleagues a little bit. So the next time they're wanting to go out for lunch with someone, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> I remember Bob over there. He, 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 he really likes Vietnamese food. I should go and ask him to take him out for lunch because I like that as well. So that is a favorite. Great. Now, um, what kind of charities do you work with out there? Yeah, well, we're big supporters of um, B1G1. Um, so every time we do an event, now, depending on how many people are on that event, uh, an impact will happen somewhere in the world. So yeah. that's our uh, our give back at the end of, at the end of every event. Um, in terms of other organisations, we support um, in in Hong Kong. Um, there's one called Kelly Support Group, uh, which we have a strong connection with. Um, we we, we uh, work it slightly differently. We work as a sort of a, a win-win situation with the, uh, the charities. Is normally when we're launching a new event or a new product, uh, we would offer them a free training team building session mm-hmm. and bring them in to run the, the new activity. So we can sort of try and test it. You know, obviously they know that, but they they're getting the value of the uh, experience, and uh, it's also giving our facilitators a, a chance to try it out. So that would be uh, how we work with them. That would be the the main one we work with in Hong Kong. And then some of our clients, you know, they might be looking at a CSR type initiative, um, and we have a number of different um, programs that we would put in for that. Whether that's uh, you know um, a bike building activity or food drive, um, which is going to help the, the local population mm-hmm. and now i'm sorry Stuart. what was the name of that charity that you had mentioned before uh the the one we support in hong kong it's called kelly support group and what is it that they do uh they look after the base they go around schools and do education about life you know probably the things that the, the schools aren't telling them so you know giving them awareness around alcohol and mm-hmm. a number of other factors um so they're basically other education that edit, educating the uh, hong kong youth to uh you know, make sure they're aware of all the uh, perils that may be awaiting them. Fantastic. But uh, give me just one more second here, Stuart, while I go on and I'm going to talk about my friends over here. I'm going to tell you about those people, those good people there at B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. When you're a part of B1G1, you bring new purpose, meaning, and relevance to your business by making giving a core of what you do. I like conventional giving models. B1G1 helps small and medium-sized businesses achieve more social impact by embedding giving activities in their everyday business operations to create a unique giving story. 
Every business transaction can impact lives from as little as just one cent. So please visit B1G1.com to get started. B1G1, business for good. All right, my friend, we're back again. Can, we, can you tell me a story of one of the silliest events you were ever a part of? The silliest event? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. I was, I, was, I was having a bit of a think about this earlier on and <laughs> um, thought that question might come up. Uh, I, you know, it was going back a long time ago, I mean, a number of years, obviously I have lots of good stories, but I think one of them was that we were running a, uh, uh again, the juggling motivator that I mentioned uh, earlier on at, um, one of the private members clubs for uh, a private bank in Hong Kong. And, um, I was on site there with, uh, David and, uh, you know, he, he comes over to me and he says, "I think we've got, I think we've got a bit of a problem about what's the money." He says, "My, my trousers have split." <laughs> I said, what do you mean your trousers are split? He said, "Well, I was bending down to pick up one of the juggling balls, and the back of the trousers have split, and uh, I'm having a what, what, what are we going to do?" This was uh, your so, partner. Uh, this is my business partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that could happen to any of us, right? Sure, sure. Uh, so, um, yeah. So we obviously. Uh, so being very resourceful in the event business, um, you know, because we were fortunate enough to be in a, uh, a, a nice establishment. Obviously, they have all the staff there who all have a uniform. So we uh, we went over to, went to find the uh, the captain of the, the ballroom that we were in and said, "Well, you know, got a bit of a problem here. Do you think do you think you can find us a pair of trousers, a pair of slacks, <laughs> where you're listening from?" And uh, yeah, right enough, they um, they came over. But obviously, there was a bit of time. It wasn't. Obviously, the hotels and the, the ballrooms don't just have uh, trousers on hand. So, uh, you know, meanwhile, the, the the show had to go on. So David just had to make sure he didn't turn around, and he was um, kept his uh, <laughs> kept on stage with his back to the wall. So, uh, and obviously, the uh, the our customer there, uh, I remember coming up, she said, "David, okay." <laughs> I said, "Well, we've got a slight problem that we're just working on here, but uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep the show going for you." So, uh, yeah. That's definitely probably up there in the number one. That's a remarkably challenging moment to have in your event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, now, what is um? what would you consider your most popular event out there? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, we have over 100 different um, events and products that we uh, we sell. Mm. Um, obviously, there's always a, a popular sort of top 10, top 20. Mm -hmm. I think um probably mine and uh, probably varies a little bit depending on where we're at in the in the year but certainly for the cooler months in asia go team is probably uh, one of them uh, that's the app based explore event um so we've had a lot of experience with that over the years uh, a couple of reasons it's a fantastic innovative tool of uh, gps driven treasure hunt right. so the participants really don't know what they're getting into and they don't know the uh, when they they don't know what the questions are until they get right. to a location so you yeah yeah, say, yeah. Well, you're going, to, going to go to the Star Ferry and Tim Sai Choi in Hong Kong, but they have no idea what they've got to do there. Cause only when they get there does the question pop up. And mm. uh, that event has also taken us around the world and probably somewhere a little bit closer than your, uh, to where you are to uh, New Orleans a number of years ago, where we did an event there for 850 people nice. from, a, uh, popular, from a popular sports brand. And uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun to set up and um, prepare for. So in order to set that up, you, especially if you're going into a location you're not familiar with, what, what do you need to do in advance? Well, um, you certainly need to do a bit of homework beforehand. And really, uh, if you go to a new location, you need to sort of uh, do a lot of scouting out, see what the popular locations are so you know where you're going. You don't want to rock up to a new city and have spend a, 
a day just trying to work out where you're going. So obviously we're very fortunate in this day and age with we're overloaded with information and data. So we, right. you know, we've got that uh, trusted tool of the uh, Google. Uh, so we would do a lot of research beforehand. Uh, but obviously when we get there, obviously everyone has access to Google. So we, then we need to really then sort of dig deep into those locations and find something that you wouldn't find on Google. So um, we use it first of all, Google first of all, to get us into the uh, location, but then we really need to be looking around and finding clues, challenges. Um, so go around scouting for information, taking lots of photographs. Then the next stage then is writing the content. And once you've got the content, then you need to program the, uh, the back end of the system. Mm. Once you've got all that in, then it's about testing and you really need to go out a lot of times to get around that, those neighborhoods that you've scouted out, you know, you're checking for the GPS, make sure you've got the right question and always good to bring a friend and get <laughs> them, them to go around as well. Because, of, you know, if you're the one who's written it, you're probably not necessarily going to see all the, uh, all the elements that someone else might see. So it's a definitely a two person job. So probably to put something like that together in a, in a, in a new city, be two or three days to, to put the content together. Excellent. So you talk about what going around with a friend. Let's bring it a little bit more to a personal side, if you don't mind. Um, tell me about what what are we looking at, especially now with with the in the world of COVID. You say you have two kids. So how yeah. how important is teamwork in your personal life? Well, very important at the moment because we're all at home. Uh, kids are at home uh, or have been at home doing the uh, homeschooling, and uh, you know we've all been uh, spending a lot of time with each other. So uh, I think that's a uh, keeping us very busy. So yeah, that's an important part. And obviously bringing the, uh, the games that we, uh, some of the games work at home as well, you know, keeping the, <laughs> the family engaged. And uh, there's been times where, uh, you know, they're also a, a good person to take around uh, when you're walking around a location, scouting out a new location to find clues to give them a bit of an experience on that as well. well I imagine by this point, your kids are all consummate jugglers. But tell me, what, 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 what are some of your personal games that you play with your kids? Oh, good question. Well, um, you know, we, we have been known to build a uh, cardboard boat before. Um, <laughs> we've been able to do the uh, treasure hunts as well. Other than that, you know, we've spent a lot of time out hiking and getting out into the countryside. And uh, it would be our uh, ways we spend a lot of our time. So when you're trying to do things like build a cardboard boat with your kids, or do you find them just rolling their eyes at you going, oh, dad's bringing his work home again? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> take, a little bit, take a little bit of encouragement. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, okay, let's, let's talk since we, we do bring up COVID. The world, of course, has radically changed in just a few short months, a little bit longer for you folks than it were for here, us in the States. But everyone has come to the conclusion that nothing is ever going to go back to the way things were. Um, being locked down, learning new ways to do business. What kind of changes have you seen to, to the industry down out there in, in Hong Kong? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we've been, uh, I mean, we've been experienced this since February. Um, so we were early adopters. Um, and, um, you know, in terms of the, live events the face-to-face events they stopped very quickly um which was obviously the right thing to do safety first right um and then uh, what we've been finding i would say everyone was a little unsure in hong kong what in china what was going to happen um so pretty much during the first sort of six to eight weeks of heads down um and just everyone keeping at home you know no you know not much going out, obviously. And then uh, by the middle of March, the rest of the world uh, caught up with uh, Asia as it does. And uh, everyone got involved. 
and that's when things obviously came a lot more serious and uh, a lot more restrictions put in place mm. um and that's when we sort of then were really transforming the business then to a lot more virtual uh, events for remote teams um so we've really found that um making that transition taking some of the some of the events that we had and moving them onto digital um we moved very quickly with our partners so we um obviously had a, a global network there to help us along with that everyone got involved in transitioning to the global space in terms of the customers you know i would say it was a lot of education into what was possible um in terms of being able to deliver a team building a program online um obviously people are used to team you say team building well that means getting together talking face to face right so it's saying to people it's going to be done online and you're going to get the same experience that uh, takes a little bit more education but uh, i wouldn't say it was the same experience but it's certainly a good experience to um, engage your colleagues that you haven't seen for a while mm. and bring them together uh, rather than just having another zoom meeting or another Teams meeting or another webex meeting um, so doing something fun and engaging and learning together online. What's happening now for us in Asia is people are, and other parts of the world, people are now getting back to the office. So there's an opportunity there of re-engaging people that are coming back. Um, obviously, what the moment what we're facing is obviously with the social distancing rules that are in place. So uh, certainly in Hong Kong at the moment, it's still only eight people that can gather at one time. Hmm. So we're a lot of wait and see, I would say, for us, um, you know, until the restrictions drop, um, whatever being mandated by the government, um, until they drop, then I think obviously that everything will fall in line with that. I know certainly other countries around the world um, are starting to have groups of 20 or 50 people or 100 people that can gather, but we're not, we're, we're not at that stage yet. Sure. We're, being, uh, we're seeing where this leads up. But I think in terms of the uh, regional events that we were heavily involved with, and we are well placed to service those needs for the rest of the year with our virtual events that we've got, because uh, people are not going to be moving around and traveling um, around Asia Pacific. So we've got our virtual events for remote teams. Um, so I think that will still be adding value to the, uh, the groups that um, are uh, not getting a chance to travel at the moment. All right, Stuart, I want to thank you very much for coming on board. Um, it, it's been great talking to you and finding it it's so fascinating, finding out how things are happening around the world, especially in this mm. industry. But right mm. now I'm going to actually shift gears a little bit and I'm going to put you on the hot seat, okay? We all know how um, every time you get together for a team bonding event, people are feel like they're being forced to play games to have fun. I'm going to do the same thing to you. We're about to put you. <laughs> we're about to put you through our speed round. The way this is going to work, I'm going to we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. I'm going to ask you as many questions as I can within that 60 seconds. Your objective here is just give me the first answer that pops into your head. Let's make it fast. Let's make it fun. Okay. So let's, let's get go. Fantastic. Let's get that 60 seconds on the clock. What is your name? Stuart. How many kids do you have? Two. Which one's your favorite? <laughs> They're both are. Fantastic. Uh, do you have any pets? No, thank goodness. <laughs> if you could have a new first name, what would it be? Uh, Rupert. Sleeping with sheets tucked in or out? Out, of course. Do you ever find yourself counting steps when you walk? No. What's your favorite kind of meal? Pizza. Who's your favorite celebrity chef? 
Jamie Oliver. Cake or pie? Pie. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Psycho, when I was younger. Who's your celebrity crush? Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, breaking out Kylie Minogue. I love it. And that's fantastic. I think you might have been so far the top answered questions that I have. You went to eight. <laughs> Congratulations, Stuart. All right, my friends. Uh, please, one more time, give a big round of applause for Stuart Harris coming to us <laughs> at the beginning of his evening all the way from Hong Kong. It's been great having you on the show, Stuart. Thank you so much. I'd love to be able to talk to you again at some point if you feel up to it. But as for me, thank folks, thank you. As for me, that's it. We're That's another episode of Team Building Around the World. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like the show, please share it with your friends or colleagues. We'd be grateful if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave a favorable review. You know, if you didn't like the show, you can just shut up about it. It's fine. But if you liked it, let us know why. Now, all past episodes can be found at teambonding.com. So one more time, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Rich Rinnan's Land. You've been listening to Team Building Around the World. And remember, if you're within the sound of my voice, you're on my team and I'm on yours. You take care of yourselves, folks, and we'll see you next time. It's been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your coworkers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.